Hello and welcome to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things relating to your well-being, including interviews with experts in the fields of nutrition, physical and mental health, and my five-minute food facts series. I am Amanda Hayes, your host, a lawyer turned nutritionist with a passion for well-being. You could say I'm on a personal odyssey to seek improvements on all areas of my life. Before I introduce today's guest, I will mention that, although I will often be speaking with experts, any information or advice provided in Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast is not intended to be used to treat, cure or prevent injuries or medical conditions and is not a substitute for advice from your own health professionals. Today I am here with Kim Burles, who is a certified Wim Hof Method instructor based here in Adelaide in South Australia. I assume that most people have heard something about the Wim Hof Method, but don't worry if you haven't because I will be asking Kim to explain it to us and some of the scientific evidence behind it. Hi Kim, welcome to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast. Thank you very much uh, for the opportunity to be here and uh, yeah, look forward to uh, diving a little bit deeper into the Wim Hof Method uh, over the course of this podcast. Yes, and as Kim and I were discussing off-air, many people may have heard about Wim Hof, but not really understand what the whole method entails. So we will dive into that today and learn all about it. So first of all, I think, can you give us, Kim, a bit of a potted bio of Wim Hof? Who is he? Sure. Uh, so he is a, a Dutch extreme athlete. He, uh, he came into media you know, the attention of the media by breaking uh, multiple world records um, for feats to do with uh, cold exposure. So he held, or he did hold the record for the world's longest ice bath, which was one hour and 52 minutes. Uh, that's since been broken, amazingly. Um, but he's also done things like climbing Mount Kilimanjaro in under three days. Uh, he has climbed up past the death zone, so where uh, people normally use supplemental oxygen uh, on Mount Everest, um, and where he really sort of first jumped into the media spotlight is through uh, he ran a full marathon uh, above the Arctic Circle uh, in Finland. Uh, so he spent about four, four and a half hours running around in board shorts and bare feet in minus 20. Um, As you do. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So it was was these feats uh, that caught the attention of not only the media, but also uh, research scientists mm-hmm. around the world. Uh, and he, that was his his aim. He was like, look, I I I think I have something here. Yeah. Uh, and I want to get science to study it, to look into me, to dissect it, to understand it, and then bring it to the world um, and so that's what he's done um, since that the first big uh, important study came out in 2011 2012 mm-hmm. and since then he has been quite literally a man on a mission yes and we will hear more about everything involved in how he actually is able to perform these extraordinary feats but first of all Kim I'd like to learn a little bit more about you so Can you tell us a bit about your journey to practicing the Wim Hof method? How did you find out about it, for example? Yeah, sure. So in 2015, uh, Vice Media did a documentary on Wim. Uh, They went through his uh, breathing technique. They they 
went to his house in Amsterdam and they went to his place in Poland and they dived deep and they did some really uh, crazy things. And I, I happened to watch it. Um, it. It didn't really sink in that that seed didn't really germinate, um, but it was planted. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until 2017 when I was going through a, a big period of change in my life. Uh, I was quite literally trying to do a, a 180 degree uh, turn in my life. Mm-hmm. I was you know, unhealthy. I wasn't exercising. I was overweight, severely depressed. I just lost my job and a house that I was about to buy. And so, you know, those little... A perfect ex- storm. Correct. Yeah. All those external um, things that we, we hang a lot of value on yeah. all of a sudden got taken away. Yeah. And, you know, I took a, a hard look at my life and, you know, I realized that I was the sum of all the decisions I'd made up until that point. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, if I don't like where I am, I need to make better decisions. So I did that 180 degree turn and, and decided to pack everything up and went on, a, I like to call it a bit of a, an eat, pray, love kind of trip nice. where, yeah, um, I decided to challenge myself physically um, mentally and spiritually. So, you know, the first part I spent uh, a couple of months in Thailand, you know, really uh, training CrossFit, Muay Thai and, and, and you know, really physically challenging myself. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for a mental challenge um, after that. And I remember the documentary, it came into my head and, and I was like, okay, I, I, my intention or my my thought behind it was that I was going to go there and learn, you know, mental toughness, mental grit, and like kind of do all these things. Be a uh, superhuman. Correct, mm. but more around um, from a uh, like a you know toughness sort of thing. And um, what I soon realised is that the beauty of the Wim Hof method and the success, for want of a better term, uh, is not in that <clears throat> grit and toughness, mm-hmm. but in actually surrendering and in letting go. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's quite literally, um, you know, turned my life around. And isn't it fascinating, Kim, that it has now actually become your work? Correct. Yeah. Um, and that certainly wasn't my intention. Um you know, the, the, the thing that, you know, first attracted me to it, look, it definitely wasn't the cold. I, I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. But it was the, the mental health yeah. aspect. Mm. Um, and from that, it sort of grew uh, and, and, and developed into uh, a decision to share it with, you know, people and teach yeah. it to people. Yeah, but the germination came from, you know, helping myself. Yes, yeah. So then once you decided that you did want to share that with other people, what's the process for becoming certified? Firstly, from my opinion, it's an important distinction between uh, practicing Mm -hmm. and and teaching. Just because you really enjoy something and it may have changed your life or greatly helped you doesn't necessarily mean that the decision to teach it to people is the right one. So first of all, Take a look at you know your motivations yeah. and your reason behind doing it. Um, that's that's sort of step one. Um, but the the thing I've enjoyed once you get over that is is that you know as you develop and grow and do deep work that you know not only does that benefit you but it also benefits your teaching as well. So it's it's really a, a win win. And yes. for me, 
that was an important decision around you know becoming a, a teacher is that I continue to, to grow as well. So in terms of the steps uh, involved, um, it takes approximately 12 months. Um, so you know you, you need to have already been practicing the Wim Hof mm-hmm. method for, for some time, being familiar with the breathing technique and and you know the cold exposure in, in various ways as well, exploring sure. and experimenting yourself. Um, from there, there's an initial weekend training, uh, which is sort of designed to teach you how to teach and introduce mm-hmm. you to some of the theory. Uh, and then from there, it's a, a six to nine month period uh, of practicing in teaching yourself um, and you know doing you know, in-depth research and, and study, followed by uh, and sort of culminating in a week-long instructor retreat in Poland, um, which was, yeah, incredible. Uh, and it sort of solidifies the, the past 12 months sure. that you've been doing and you really explore and, and essentially break apart little bits of yourself and then spend the rest of the week putting them back together in, in a you know just a slightly different order so it's it's incredible that would have been fascinating spending a week in Poland yeah uh, so is that where you actually met Wim so weirdly enough my first uh, foray into the Wim Hof method wasn't with Wim it was with a with another instructor but we were lucky enough to um, do the retreat in in Wim's house mm-hmm. so I first met Wim um, when I was working for them. So I was you know, fortunate enough to uh, work in their head office in Amsterdam for a period of, of six months back in uh, 2018. And so I had a lot to do with, with Wim and with his family. So the Wim Hof Method is, is a family-run business, mm-hmm. uh, which was, was really yeah, a, a beautiful opportunity to have had that. Yeah, yeah. you're very lucky. Yeah. And what would you say, before we go into more depth about what the Wim Hof method actually is, what has it brought to your life? Without um, overstating it, it's actually brought me life. Um, it's it's given me a, a whole suite of tools um, to approach life in a different way, to yeah, look amazing. at life in a mm. different way. And, you know, I don't just mean a changing career mm-hmm. i mean you know deep emotional physical mental spiritual changes and, and the opportunities that, that come through that but also things like friendships opportunities to do things like this this podcast to to travel and and it, it's it's quite literally changed my life at almost every single level isn't that uh, amazing and I still, you know, moments like this when I talk about it, I have to stop and think and and be exceptionally grateful for having made that initial step to go and, you know, put aside any doubts and fears I had in, you know, what the heck is this? Yes. And and quite literally jump into it um, and... Yeah, it's it's been incredible. And what's amazing to me is that you went into it as a way to explore your mind and really, as you say, it's now it's become your life. It's the way you live, isn't it? It's more than just what you do. It's the way you approach your whole life. So you're very well you're lucky, but you're also I mean you created that situation yep. and live it. But isn't that wonderful that your passion can also become your work? 
Yeah, correct. Uh, and and just before I, I answer that sort of talk about that that comment, I think you know I, I came across a, a quote from a, a friend of mine um, this week where we are literally one decision away from having a completely different life, and you know I was yes I was looking for a, a way to challenge myself mentally. Mm-hmm. I could have picked a whole host of other things. But I said yes to this opportunity, Yes. looked at, you know, sort of put aside any hesitation around the cold and the discomfort because before I'd been practicing the Wim Hof Method, I was not a fan of the cold. I was the, the, the guy at the party rugged up in everybody's jackets <laughs> under 10 different layers shivering in the corner. And, you know, the, the cold is not or was not my, my natural go-to place. And by just simply saying yes to an opportunity and and what happens after that and that's not just related to the Wim Hof method that is broadly in life in in general yeah it's powerful stuff oh it's incredible um so I think it's probably a good time then to drill down into what the Wim Hof method actually is and what fascinates me about it is lately there's been an increased focus on sleep and on breathing and they're things that we all do and we all take for granted, um, but a lot of us don't give them much thought. And the same can be said, I think, of the mind. So Buddhism is something that I am very interested in, and that is really about ch- training the mind more than anything else. And it's becoming more and more popular in Western societies. So I think what's um, interesting about the Wim Hof Method is that a really fundamental part of it is about the breathing technique. So can you explain to us, before we talk specifically about that, what are the three pillars of the Wim Hof Method? Sure. So contrary to uh, what a lot of people might think, it isn't just purely about you know doing crazy things in the cold and taking an <laughs> ice bath. There are uh, other aspects to it. So the, the method is comprised of, of three pillars. So it's a, a specialised breathing technique, gradual cold exposure, and then commitment mindset uh, training. So, uh, and it, it's it's the combination of those three things that make the Wim Hof method. But it's also the combination of those three things that one enhances the other. Mm. Uh, and it's putting all those things together in practice uh, that deliver the the most benefit. So, in terms of putting it together in practice, let's talk first about the breathing technique. Can you tell us? what that is. I mean, I know there's a lot to it, but just give us a, an outline essentially of what the Wim Hof technique, no, sorry, the Wim Hof method breathing technique is. Sure. So there are three primary parts to it. You have the breathing component, you have the breath hold, breath retention component, and the recovery breath. So the first part, the breathing technique comprises of 30 to 40 breaths, taken slow, full belly up into the chest, uh, and then with a short, almost sigh-like exhale. Then at when you get to your, your last breath, you take a full breath in, then empty the lungs, getting to a, a neutral lung. It's not about you know really forcing that breath out, but you get to a neutral lung and then hold your breath. Um, and then when you get the urge to breathe again, you're gonna take one big deep breath in and you're gonna hold that for 10 to 15 seconds. 
then while you're doing that and holding your breath, just gently squeeze your pelvic floor, gently contract your pelvic floor muscles. And then at the end of that 10 to 15 seconds, you simply exhale, that is one round, and we just do multiple rounds. Three, four rounds uh, is, is a, dare I say, a, a normal practice in inverted commas. When I'll just mention that I met Kim when I went to one of his workshops here in Adelaide and he guided us through this breathing technique, which was wonderful because one of the things that springs to mind is, oh, I'm gonna, how am I going to count to you know, 30 or 40 breaths? But Kim helps you through that. And there is also an app that you can use. Um, so that's not as difficult as it sounds. The next pillar, the cold exposure. Can you explain what that is? to us sure so the the cold exposure is around first and foremost reconnecting us back to nature um and and also putting the body through uh, what we call hormetic stress a controlled stress and it it doesn't always have to be uh, an ice bath Mm -hmm. it can be any sort of cold exposure technique so that could include a, a cold shower it could be uh, a dip in the ocean, um, preferably during winter time. Summer, a little bit too warm here in uh, in, in Australia, in Adelaide. Um, but it could also be as simple as you know putting your hands or your feet into a bucket of ice, um, or you know even what I like to do in in winter time is is just go for a, a barefoot walk uh, on the grass or you know down to to grab a coffee. It's about exposing the body to cold temperatures, uh, exposing the body and and yourself to discomfort uh, as well and harnessing the benefits that come from that. Do you know what really interests me about that is that I think these days um, us humans, certainly here in Australia, we're so comfortable. You know, the minute it gets cold, the heater goes on. The minute it gets hot, the air conditioner goes on. We've got layers of clothes on. So we're, our bodies are not used to being uncomfortable. And that's not really the way humans evolved, is it? No, correct. So in the body, um, we have an incredible natural um, evolved temperature detection and temperature adjustment, essentially an internal thermostat mm. um, in the hypothalamus. So when the body senses either a change in, in temperature, either an increase or decrease to you know ec- external temperatures, internal, it adjusts. And exactly like you said, um, over time, we have insulated ourselves from all sorts of temperatures. Yeah, it could be hot, it could be cold. And so these evolutionary processes don't actually get to be used. Be challenged, yeah. Exactly. Mm. And beautiful. That is a fantastic description is, is that challenging aspect. Uh, and that's what the Wim Hof Method is about. It's about challenging the body uh, and forcing in a, you know, in a controlled way yes. that adaptation and that growth and that return to uh, natural processes. Mm. And then the third pillar is the mindset or commitment. So what's that about, Kim? Yeah, look, it, it's quite a a literal thing. So that the cold is uncomfortable. It is a very powerful stressor on the body. You know, one of the most powerful stressors uh, that we have because it impacts, you know, us in a in a strong physical way, but also, you know, mentally. Um, and so, you know, a, a lot of people avoid it. Most people avoid it. Mm. Uh, and, you know, a, a few people are even completely afraid of it. Yeah. So to train in it, to train cold exposure uh, in particular, um, you, you, you can't avoid 
the cold. You actually have to look at it. You have to face it and feel it. Um, and you have to face what you've been avoiding. Uh, you have to face you know, the thing that you're afraid of. And that is incredibly beneficial for our growth. Yes. Um, and it, it translates beautifully from you know, the, the ice bath out into broader life. It's, it's a similar way you know, to imagine you know, you're training for a, a triathlon and you're doing specific exercises, mm. not just to repeat those exercises, but the benefits they afford you in your real life, either in competition or you, know, you might be stretching so you move better. The same yeah. principle applies here. You, you train in order to reap the benefit of that in a broader context. Yes, that's um, a good analogy because training for something like a triathlon or, or any kind of sport, it's not just about the fitness. I think that whole mindset and commitment and you know making yourself do something on the days you don't feel like it, it teaches you persistence. And that's an important quality, I think, to have in life. Yeah. So if somebody practices the Wim Hof method and they are doing these three pillars, what are some of the health benefits then of combining all of those things? Sure. So so first and foremost, uh, and I like to start with this one, uh, it can help people overcome their fear of the cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, from, from there, it has benefits around uh, increasing energy. So in, in one of the first studies uh, of Wim they noticed that his um, metabolism had increased almost 200% and he was using a, an absolute bucket load of, of oxygen during that breathing technique. So that first, you know, first pillar, the breathing technique, can, can really help give us a, a sense of you know, increased energy. Uh, it also has benefits around helping us um, you know, increase uh, and improve our mood and mm-hmm. focus uh, as well as helping to manage stress and also overcoming, um, you know, mental health challenges around yep. anxiety and depression. Uh, it can improve uh, um, recovery uh, in sport, but also sport performance itself. Mm-hmm. Um, there are benefits uh, in particular with the breathing technique for helping to manage uh, chronic pain. And the one that, that a lot of people uh, may have heard of is uh, helping to regulate the immune system. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. And we will talk about some of the scientific experiments that have been conducted around that. But one thing I didn't ask earlier that I forgot was the breathing technique. When you are going into the ice bath, it's a little bit different from the technique you talked about before, but it's really important. So can you tell us about how you do that when you're about to get into the ice bath? Sure. That's also a a really good segue into uh, an important safety reminder. So the breathing technique uh, is not to be practiced in or near water, uh, and it should be practiced somewhere safe. So like you would yoga, you're lying down on the mat, there's nothing around you. Practice it that way. So, you know, and it's not a... I'm driving my car. I'm going to do some Wim Hof method breathing. Yeah, no, Please don't do that. Not. <laughs> and, and and don't use it at the at the gym either. So, um, but having said that, so the breathing technique that you do as part of your you know breathwork training is different to the technique that you apply in the cold water into uh, the ice bath. And what we're trying to do in the ice bath um, is shift from a, a sympathetic state. So when we go into the into the ice, 
It triggers a stress response mm-hmm. in the body, which activates our sympathetic nervous system. And what we're trying to do is shift to the parasympathetic state. So we're doing that through controlling our breath. And that involves, you know, pulling as many tr- parasympathetic, what I like to call parasympathetic mm-hmm. triggers uh, as possible. So that's inhaling through the nose and um, with a long, slow, controlled exhale. And also when you're inhaling, breathing through the belly and really activating the diaphragm. And it's a combination of those things that help to put you into that parasympathetic state, help to uh, activate your uh, vagus nerve, mm-hmm. which is intrinsically linked to that, um, and help you um, yeah, relax and regain control uh, in the ice bath. Do you know, and I have to attest that it really actually works because... I don't like the cold. I don't like being cold. When I signed up for the workshop, I thought, hmm, I don't know if I'll actually get in the ice bath. I might watch everyone else do it. But of course, when you're there, you you want to do it. And I got in. And one thing you said to us, Kim, was to go in with confidence, which was really important to me because normally for something like that, I'd probably take ages. Um, So I got in and my initial response was, the stress response, (laughs) but Kim was right there and he was reminding me how to breathe and to take that long exhale. And really it's amazing. I think you almost have to experience it to believe it, but it really does work. Yeah. And that's, it's that control that we can, can have over our breath and the almost immediate results you see in it, mm. not just in an ice bath, but you know wherever you're listening to this podcast from, just take a breath in and really a long, slow exhale. Do that five times and just pay attention to how your body and how your mind responds to that change in, in breathing. It just happens to be that we decide to take it to the extreme in an ice bath and really put it to the test. But it's fantastic to hear you uh, comment on, you know, that it was a, a something noticeable that you oh, could Oh, absolutely. Could I was amazed, to be honest. And another thing that's important, I believe, is breathing through the nose. Can you talk a bit about that? Sure. So, look... I'm going to have to keep this one short because I could probably do uh, an entire podcast <laughs> sure uh, based on uh, on nose breathing alone. Uh, it's it's a fascinating thing to uh, to me. Um, and you know, firstly, biologically, um, noses are for breathing uh, and mouths are for eating. We've been evolved and we've been designed to breathe primarily through our nose. Uh, and unfortunately, um, the vast majority of us have become conditioned to breathing through our mouths, um, particularly uh, during light to moderate exercise, uh, particularly uh, while we sleep. And for you know a certain percentage of the population, uh, also our day to day. And we're really missing out on on the benefits. So I'm just going to go through what some of those are. Mm, yes. uh, and, you know, it's important to, you know, with these benefits, you get this through nose breathing and you don't get this through mouth breathing. So first and foremost, breathing through your nose, it sterilizes and, and warms the air. You know, all of us, yep. as, as though we don't want to admit it, we have nose hair. Um, <laughs> we also have nasal mucosa so that the mucus in our nose and we have nitric oxide uh, that is uh, excreted in our in our nasal cavity. Those 
combination of three things um, help to protect the sensitive lung tissue, um, but they also act as um, antibacterial, antifungal, and antiviral agents, in particular the, the nitric oxide. So helping to stop um, you know, large and small particles and you know, bacteria, viruses, fungi from getting deep into our lungs. Mm-hmm. So it's like the first line of defense then of our immune system. Correct. Yep. Uh, that's a, that is exactly what it is. Uh, and when we breathe through our mouth, there's no filter. We don't have it. Mm. There's no nasal nitric oxide going down into the lungs. Um, the, the other benefit of uh, nasal breathing is that it helps us maintain body temperature uh, and helps us prevent dehydration. So by breathing through the mouth, uh, one study showed that we lose up to 40% uh, of uh, water loss through mouth breathing, uh, which then unfortunately uh, creates a, a vicious cycle. You know, mm. our, our mouth dries out, we dry out, the nose dries out because we're not using it. And, you know, so we start to, to pant almost uh, and it leads to other uh, health complications from that dehydration. Um, but also, um, you know, the, the nose helps to slow the flow of air in and the flow of of air out, which helps us uh, uptake oxygen better Mm -hmm. and also exchange carbon dioxide better as well. Um, So it makes us our breathing more efficient. Uh, From there, the breathing through the nose, and in particular, the the nitric oxide uh, in there, helps to uh, open up the alveoli uh, in the lungs. Uh, Nitric oxide is a vasodilator. Mm -hmm. So it it causes the blood vessels, and in particular, uh, the the vessels in the lung and the alveoli to open up. So we've got more surface area there, improving that exchange of of oxygen. Um, Nose breathing also activates the diaphragm. There's a direct link between breathing through the nose and the diaphragm, our primary breathing muscle being activated. So we're breathing fuller uh, and we're less likely to get breath fatigue. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of us, if we breathe through our mouth, we breathe up into our upper chest and we start right. using our chest muscles, uh, our intercostal muscles, so the muscles in between our ribs mm-hmm. to breathe. And unfortunately, some of us even use our shoulders. They're not designed for breathing. And you know we breathe... 20,000 to 40,000 times a day. Oh, right. Uh, depending on the activity that we're mm. doing. And if you are using the wrong muscles that aren't designed for that purpose, you can imagine the toll that that takes on the body. You imagine trying to ride a, a triathlon bike with your arms, yeah. right? And that's essentially what you're doing yeah. with, with breathing with your, your chest as opposed to your, your diaphragm. The other thing that, that nose breathing does is it uh, stimulates our parasympathetic nervous system that we just touched on before, and it's why we do a nose inhale uh, in the ice bath. Um, interesting little thing. Inside the nose, uh, the there are a ton of parasympathetic nerve fibers. Oh, right. And when we inhale, our nose hairs vibrate as the air passes over, which triggers and activates the parasympathetic nerve fibers, which gives us that relaxation response to the body. That's fascinating. Uh, yeah. It's very it, complex, isn't it? The, the, the more I, I read and the more I learn about it, well, the more excited I get, but the more in awe I am of uh, the human body yeah. and the more I um, become to really be a, a firm believer in getting back to doing things in a natural state yes. and letting the body 
heal itself and and take back charge of its yeah. of its own health. Um, last quick benefit, uh, like I said, we can talk about nose breathing for a long time, <laughs> but the last very quick benefit is that breathing through the nose can can help in improve our sleep. So when we breathe through our mouth, um, the muscles in the back of the throat uh, can get quite weak because mm-hmm. they're not really getting used. Uh, this can cause a blockage to the airway. All right. But also, when we breathe through our mouth, our noses are more likely to block. But when we breathe only through our nose, contrary to what the majority of people think, the nose won't block. So if you tape your mouth up and just inhale, exhale through your nose all day, your nose will not block. It will stay open through the carbon dioxide going up in there. So I hear this all the time. I'm like, there's no way I can breathe through my nose because it gets blocked. Mm. Hold your breath. Breathe in and out through your nose, and I guarantee you it will unblock, and you'll be like, <sighs> and have a nice, clean, clear airway to breathe through. So give it a go. Two questions come to mind. Um, early on, you said we're conditioned to breathe through our mouth. Why do you think that is? I think that we have, since the the, the dawn of the industrial age, we've lost a little bit of touch with some ancient practices. Mm-hmm. So if you look at um, African tribes and Native American tribes, uh, South and uh, Northern America, um, they have these inbuilt understanding uh, and almost intuition for the breath. So yep. there's a lovely example uh, in some Native American tribes where when the baby is young, so when we first come out of the womb, right, we're breathing in and out through our nose. At some point, the jaw is going to come open and we'll start breathing through our mouth. But what these mothers were shown doing is gently closing their baby's mouths oh, really? while other while they're, they're nursing them mm-hmm. uh, and encouraging them and training them to keep their mouth closed. Um, and so there's, there's that aspect. We've sort of lost touch with it. Mm. Um, other things that come into play, um, and I reference the industrial age, but things like our diet and our lifestyle um, create uh, or, or increase stress. Um, and where the mouth can be used to breathe is in the fight or flight state. Sure. Mm. But that's meant to be a short-term state right. to help us, you know, get away from danger or, you know, complete some form of, you know, intense physical mm-hmm. challenge for a short controlled period. It's not designed to be in that state and breathe with the mouth 24-7. Mm. So there's a combination of, of factors and, you know, it's, it's really great that, you know, there is becoming more and more mainstream awareness thanks to people like Wim Hof, um, but also, you know, other people. Um, some people may have come across at a book called Breathe by I James Nestor. I was going Nestor. to ask you about that, yeah. Yeah, uh, and, you know, he has written an absolutely incredible, super comprehensive book all around the breath. Uh, he was on the Joe Rogan podcast not too long ago, and that gets, you know, hundreds of millions of views and, yes. and listens. and. That is only good for helping to bring attention to, first of all, raise awareness around the power that sits within all of us, that is our breath, uh, and what 
good breathing can do for our overall health and our, and our longevity. So I'll put a link to that book in the show notes by James and Esther. What's it called again? It's called Breathe. Breathe. Quite literal, oh. short, sharp and shiny. Whilst we're on the topic of books, if you're looking for a good book to read to enhance your well-being, you could visit the book reviews page on my website where I review wellbeing-related books and where you can also purchase those books by clicking on the link you'll see to Amazon. I'm holding the book Breath by James Nestor, the one that Kim just mentioned, in my hands, and I'll just read the first little bit of the blurb on the back. It says, No matter what you eat, how much you exercise, how skinny or young or wise you are, none of it matters if you're not breathing properly. There is nothing more essential to our health and well-being than breathing. Take air in, let it out, repeat 25,000 times a day. Yet as a species, humans have lost the ability to breathe correctly, with grave consequences. Well, if that doesn't get you in, I don't know what will. So I will shortly be reading and reviewing that book. So please look out for that on my website and I'll put a link to the book reviews page in the show notes. Recently, I listened to a podcast, The Physical Performance Show, by one of my favorite podcasters, Brad Beer, and he interviewed physiotherapist and exercise physiologist, James Fletcher, all about the science of the breath. And one of his suggestions was, very similar to what you've been saying, on a long, slow run to, he said, tape your mouth shut so you can only breathe through your nose. I haven't quite been able to come at the tape my mouth shut, but I have been trying to only breathe through my nose. And it's really interesting because it makes you realize how often you don't because you have to concentrate on it. Yeah, correct. And it's nice to hear that being recommended as a, as a training technique. Just as a, a, you know, a little add-on to that, if you've never, ever done it before, uh, I recommend taking uh, Amanda's approach rather than taping, just holding your mouth closed um, and going on a, a light walk or a light training jog. And the idea with uh, that approach is to maintain that pace, but more importantly, maintain breathing in and out through your nose. Mm. So if you get to a point in your training cycle where you're like, oh, I'm going to have to switch to my mouth, slow down decrease the intensity uh, and maintain nasal breathing. So you, you know, a lot of people don't like to do it because initially uh, their performance is most likely to to drop. Yeah, you have to be going slowly. Well, that's what I found. And it's an adaptation phase. Mm. Once the body adapts, that is when the benefits really kick in. And there was a a study that, that, a little paper that came out uh, showing that uh, a, a triathlete, funnily enough, uh, was able to maintain the same VO2 max nasally as he could breathing through his mouth. Now, I'm not saying that the first time you do this, you get it. This is a highly trained yeah. athlete that has been specifically focusing on that, but it shows you that with consistent practice, you can maintain a similar power output, and it may only be you know, for the last last percentage of your um, run or your ride where you need to switch to mouth instead of right from the get-go. Now, that's interesting. And also nitric oxide is something just off the top of my head that athletes like because it's a vasodilator. 
Um, so it brings more blood into your body and your muscles. So obviously, if you can breathe through your nose and you increase that, it sounds like it could be a beneficial thing. Yeah, look, there's uh, an important distinction between um, nasal nitric oxide and vascular nitric oh, okay. oxide. okay, I didn't know that. No, and there's also, um, it is a, a bit of a, a misconception, um, but it is why there are, you know, nitric oxide supplements yeah, and things like this. Yeah, juice and all that. Correct, and mm. that works on your vascular nitric okay, oxide. Okay, that's what I was thinking yeah. of then. So yeah. the nasal nit- nitric oxide, it's it's uh, excreted in within the nasal cavity and interacts uh, solely on the blood vessel, or sorry, the, the, the bronchiole, the alveoli within the lungs. Two different things yeah. or two different uh, locations, same effect, mm. dilates the blood vessels. So it sounds like it's good for, for athletes. I was just have to comment... Um, Kim, if you were to tape your mouth shut, I don't know how it would work because you've got facial hair. It could, could be painful when you rip off the tape. Uh, there is a uh, a certain uh, element of pain that, that, that comes with it, um, but I use something called 3M Micropore Tape. It's like sur- uh, surgical tape. Okay. You just stick it on the back of your hand and, and peel it off a few times and it reduces the stickiness and then put a small amount. And when we say tape our mouth shut, I'm not talking about like wrapping reams and reams and reams of tape around the uh, the head. Thankfully, we're just talking like a small, maybe inch wide piece stuck on the on across the lips, either horizontally or, or vertically. Okay. Um, but yeah, it is a, a downside for, for, for people with uh, facial hair. Um, but in my opinion, uh, well worth it. Do you get some strange looks when you're doing that? So I um, only tape my mouth uh, when I sleep. Okay. Uh, when I am uh, training and exercising, I just close my mouth yeah. um, because, you know, at various points and depending on, you know, how you're feeling, you know, unless you're highly, highly, highly trained at this, there's going to come a time where you've got to breathe through your mouth um, and, you know, so I like to have that control. Yeah. Uh, and it's also good learning to uh, close your mouth and close the throat um, while still being able to breathe through the nose and sort of uh, creating a, a lock almost in mm-hmm. your, your throat. So that's what I practice and one of the reasons uh, that I don't always uh, take my mouth shut. Yeah. Also, when you want to talk. <laughs> Correct. Sometimes I do like to interact with people at the gym. Uh, but, you know, weirdly enough, if I had my mouth taped, they probably wouldn't want to interact with me. Probably not. <laughs> so let's get down to some of the scientific evidence because um, all these things sound amazing. But what's even better is that it's been put to the test scientifically. So perhaps you can talk to us about some of the more famous trials. There's one well-known study called the endotoxin study, which was performed on Wim Wim and some others. So can you tell us a little bit about that, what the study showed, how they did it? Yeah, sure. So there's been two uh, endotoxin studies done on uh, on Wim uh, and the Wim Hof method. The first one was in uh, 2011, and it was just done on Wim. Uh, the second one was done in 2014, and that was done on uh, 24 uh, volunteers. That's right. Um, so what they what they do is uh, they inject an individual with uh, some dead bacteria, uh, an endotoxin, which mimics um, a bacterial infection in the body. So you get things like nausea, you get a headache, 
your temperature is going to rise, you're going to be sweaty, and in general, you're going to feel bad Mm -hmm. uh, and really unwell, like a little bad case of food poisoning almost. And so what they they did in the first study with Wim, they got him to do his breathing technique, injected, and they looked at his uh, blood, what was going on in there. Um, And then um, that first study showed a, a massive increase Uh, in uh, elevated cortisol, uh, adrenaline in the body, Um, but it also showed that the uh, anti-inflammatory markers uh, were decreased and the, uh, sorry, the anti-inflammatory markers were increased and the pro-inflammatory markers were decreased uh, in in his blood. Um, And what they suspected is that it is the activation of the sympathetic nervous system Mm -hmm. through the breathing technique, uh, which um, sort of primes the body and prepares it uh, and and gets that immune system uh, online. Um, And the the immune system, the part of the immune system that we're talking about here is the innate immune response. So the white blood cells, leukocytes, um, the release of the um, inflammation, cytokines, etc. And it was thought up until that point that we were not able to voluntarily influence that part of the body, that that was, you know, done in response to a, you know, the the, the detection of a pathogen. Uh, And what Wim was able to show is that we can actually influence that at will, that we have access to our autonomic nervous system. And so... You know, the first study was just done on whim. Yeah, so it was pretty groundbreaking. I think scientists were amazed, weren't they? They certainly were, um, but some of them were also a little bit sceptical because the sample size of N equals yeah. 1, is it that, you know, whim is a genetic anomaly yeah, or exactly. not? exactly. Is he a freak of nature? So I guess that's what they wanted to test, isn't it, in the Correct. second study? Yeah, so whim went on uh, Dutch TV to talk about the results of that first study, and he's like, look, what I can do anyone can do. I can teach people um, within a week to do what I can do. Mm -hmm. And so the scientists were like, all right, we will challenge you to this. So in 2014, they got 24 people. uh, They split the group. uh, They took the uh, half of the group to Poland for 10 days. um, And he put them through breathing technique. They were doing crazy things like, you know, playing soccer in minus 20 in, uh, in, in, you know, just shorts. They were swimming in waterfalls. They were hiking up mountains. They were doing everything that, that women, women had done. Um, and then they brought both groups back to the same university, put them all through um, that endotoxin study. And lo and behold, the control group uh, were, oh, sorry, the train group rather, uh, showed a similar response to WIM in that they were able to uh, dampen their inflammation response um, and you know, basically show that they could also influence mm. their innate immune response like Wim could do. Um, and from that point, it was, you know, Wim made it his mission to, you know, package up his technique and, and, and share it with people. And it, it looked exactly like you said. It was groundbreaking. I quite l- literally rewrote uh, some textbooks. It did, yeah. Uh, there is a, there's a whole chapter in uh, Biology Now uh, textbook uh, dedicated to Wim and the explanation of, of his method. And I think that is fantastic. And, and, you know, science is based on, you know, what we know now. Um, and it's a wonderful uh, example of showing how scientific understanding can change over time. Oh, absolutely. And 
science does evolve and nutrition is another classic example of that because really nutrition is such a young science and we're finding out more and more all the time. It's a really interesting space to be in. I think one of the things that I really like about Wim, obviously I don't know the man, but what he's doing is he's putting out a technique into the world that he thinks and knows is really useful. It can have some potentially huge public health benefits. He's not seeking fame, is he? But I mean, in a way, it's sort of courted him because what he's doing is so amazing. And there's another well-known study um, based on Wim, again, to test whether he's kind of a freak of nature or not. Um, And it's called the Brain Over Body Study. So can you tell us a little bit about that one? Yeah, sure. So that was uh, done, or it came out rather, uh, at the end of 2018, and it was carried out by Wayne State University uh, over in the the US. Uh, And what they were doing is they put Wim in a really fancy uh, wetsuit that allowed them to fill it with either warm water, 34 degrees, or fill it with cold water to around uh, 15 degrees. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they put him in a fMRI and also in a PET scanner. So looking at what was going on uh, physiologically yep. during his breathing, but also uh, in his brain. Uh, and they were trying to sort of understand, you know, what is that? What's what, happening, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Rather than just looking at uh, blood work like some mm. of the past studies uh, had done. So some of the the incredible things that, that came out of that, first and foremost, is that, um, you know, Wim was able to maintain a consistent skin temperature for 25 minutes um, when they cycled the water from 15 degrees up to 34. Um, and, you know, he was also, you know, um, during his um, uh, ice bath challenge, able to do something similar. They had him hooked up to a whole bunch of electrodes. Um, and at one point there in the, I know we're digressing from the study That's here, okay. but one point uh, during the uh, the uh, ice bath world record attempt, uh, he ended up in, or his, his body temperature dropped into a hypothermic temperature range. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was then able to turn that around and warm himself up himself up back to uh, you know a, a regular healthy safe range and ordinarily that can be you know quite tricky to do internally um, normally you need you know external sources yes. heat blanket warm mm. fluids etc so there's already something that piqued scientists curiosity around how was someone able to do that and so they after studying wim um, in in the brain over body study they Came up with the hypothesis that you know, obviously, when we when we breathe, uh, we're we're burning glucose. You know, oxygen and glucose together releases energy with a byproduct of carbon dioxide and, and water. So um, that burning, that consumption of glucose and oxygen produces energy, produces heat mm-hmm. in the body. Um, also, um, like I mentioned before, you know that the the first Radboud study short, uh, saw a two hundred percent increase in his oxygen consumption, which is a you know a huge increase in the body's metabolism. Yeah, and what they think is going on is that the the muscle, the intercostal muscle, so the muscles in between your ribs, when they put uh, Wim in the in the scanner, showed huge amount of heat uh, and and activity happening there, and they suspect because you are breathing um so you know um actively that those muscles are working kind of overtime and because they are so close to the lungs right. and the blood flow yeah. it's due to that contact um, that is helping to warm the blood up and help 
because the blood, obviously all the blood passes through the lungs at some particular point, when you continue to generate that energy um, in your core, helps to maintain an overall uh, level of uh, blood flow. The other thing uh, as well is uh, they they notice the release of uh, endocannabinoids, which are um, hormones within, mm-hmm. the, within the body. Um, and endocannabinoids are vaso and bronchiodilators. Um, so okay. that, yeah, that helps to improve blood flow. Yes. Um, and there's that additional aspect that's going along as well because you know in the cold our blood vessels constrict yes. so you know in our extremities so it would mean so it's sort of counteracting that correct yeah, yeah. so it's doing he what they hypothesize is, is that he's doing two things he is counteracting the body's or sort of overriding the body's natural response to the cold and that is to constrict blood mm-hmm. vessels and he's also heating the blood up by his deep breathing techniques. Yeah. Uh, and what they also noticed uh, is that um, in uh, a part of the brain called the periaqueductal gray area, um, which is our, our pain modulation, pain sensor mm-hmm. uh, part of the brain, is that during the cold exposure, that became incredibly active. The control group there was no activation of that periaqueductal gray area. Um, so it's by bringing that online, it's almost like a, you know, the, the technique is a, a stressor-induced analgesia. So, you know, that the body uh, responds to the stress by helping us manage that stress uh, a little bit easier. Um, you know, it's, it's that um, helping to decrease the perception of a you know a stress in in, mm-hmm. in the body, mm-hmm. um, and the other interesting thing as well is that they noticed when the periaqueductal gray area was active, uh, the insular part of the insular cortex part of the brain became inactive. Now the insular uh, cortex is responsible for self awareness, right? Uh, for perception of emotions, for our body awareness. So by decreasing the activity there, um, it's, you know, sorry, I should say that the insular cortex is, is like that um, emotional cognition so mm-hmm. it, it to physiological experiences. So, you know, it helps us recognize pain. It helps oh, us recognize discomfort. So you put those two things together and what Wim was able to do is in response to stress, in response to cold, is decrease his psychological and physiological reaction to the pain uh, and also sort of switch off his emotional reaction to it. And ordinarily, these things were thought to sort of be, you know, sort of out of our control, out of our influence. And why this study was so, I guess, influential in terms of informing opinions, it is is it gave us, or gave scientists rather, um, some insight into the level of control that we can Im- uh, assert over our body yep. and our brain that has potential far-reaching implications for people in particular with mental health challenges, yeah. anxiety, depression, uh, PTSD, um, and that ability to really, through using uh, physiological stimuli to deeply influence the psychology and the workings of the brain and, and how we respond to stress. There's always going to be stress in our life. And, yep. you know, on a side note, we need stress to grow and adapt. But what we can do and what this study has sort of shown is that we can learn to control our response to it. 
and we don't have to let it consume us. It's absolutely fascinating. Really, it's what I think the space that WIM is in is really about the science of the mind, isn't it? 100%. So he started off introducing breathing and cold to people, but where he is really pushing for now is everything about the power of the mind. Yeah. If you hear him speak, you hear him on a podcast, um, you know, they're in the process of uh, testing a brand new online course, for example, all around the power of the mind. And that is where it's going, where it's where it's where mm. it's headed. Um, because it is so intrinsic. You know, you were we were talking again around, you know, the the role of um mind training, mental training in, in Buddhism, but yeah. it applies to other religions, other practices, and learning to influence and, and take back control of our yeah. mind. What I really like about what we're discussing today is that it just shows us that if we pay attention to our to ourselves, to our minds, to our bodies, what we're capable of, and I think in this day and age, there are so many many distractions out there that it's very easy not to do that. Yep. So it's, I think it's so important to have people like Wim out there who are really drawing our attention back to our own capabilities yep. and our bodies. Correct. So I guess it's probably time to wrap this up. Um, so Kim, can you tell us, apart from Wim, who inspires you? Yeah, um, I was thinking about this and, and really... First and foremost, it is anyone who's who's taken a hit, you know, dusted themselves off, picked themselves up, and, and rebuilt and, and redirected their life. Um, second to that, you know, the, the people that inspire me are those that you know are challenging, changing, and advancing the way we think about health mm. and about our lives. And you know, some of the people that you know immediately come to mind are uh, people like Brian McKenzie, who's really um, leading the way with a focus on breathing and stress control and, you know, that, that link between um, becoming more uh, tolerant of carbon dioxide and the role that that plays mm-hmm. in, in stress in the, in the body. A guy called uh, Tony Riddle, he is um, all around rewilding our life. That is bringing us back to our natural state, natural movement, natural food, um, natural footwear. And uh, on a side note, he is currently uh, doing the Three Peaks Challenge in the UK, and, but he is doing it barefoot. Okay. <laughs> so he is, um, and he's wow. doing it in nine days. So rather than getting in a car and, and driving from peak to peak to peak, he's climbing the peak barefoot, running the peak barefoot. Then he's uh, using barefoot shoes to run between the peaks, going again. And he's at day five at the moment. Day one, he already broke his toe. So he was already behind oh, the eight ball. But I love his approach and, you know, of bringing our lives and our lifestyle back to where we came from in yeah. a more natural way. Uh, the last person uh, is a guy called uh, Paul Stamets, and he is all about mushrooms and fungi. Oh, yes, I've heard of him. And he, I just love what he's doing around um, mushroom education. We're not yeah. talking ma- magic mushrooms here, although that's something that he talks about, but also the role that they play in ecology, Yes, the role that they play in the quality of our food that we harvest from the earth 
and the role that they can play when we ingest medicinal mushrooms, mm. uh, as well as you know the pharmac- pharmacological side of things uh, for for mental health. And uh, yeah, so there's a couple of people off the top of my head that that I really get a lot of inspiration from. Oh, that's fantastic. I'll put links to those people in the show notes to their websites or Insta or social media. And finally, uh, Kim, if you could recommend two things that people could do to improve their well-being, what would they be? Sure. So number one by a long shot is to shut your mouth and breathe through your nose. Uh, number two is to practice micro discomfort. So preferably in, in nature. And that can be things like, you know, just doing short, small breath holds, taking a cold shower, swimming in the ocean, or even, you know, walking barefoot to the shops. Just those little things that are uncomfortable, but natural. Yeah. Oh, that's great advice. And so, Kim, if people would like to follow you or attend one of your workshops, if they're based here in South Australia, how do they do that? Yeah, simply Google Wim Hof Adelaide uh, mm-hmm. or visit my website, which is kimburls.com. So that's K-Y-M-B-U-R-L-S.com. And you'll find me, my contact details and a list of events and activities mm-hmm. that I've got coming up. So I'll put a link to that, obviously. And, and I thoroughly recommend the workshops. I loved it. It was really fascinating and a very well spent day for me so thank thank you so much kim thank you very much i'm glad to hear that uh, you got so much out of it i did great thank you and that was certified wim hof method instructor kim burles and i do encourage you to check out kim's website where you can see all his workshops and courses that he has coming up if you are interested in the breath then I suggest as a companion episode to listen to would be my interview with John Stamoulis, an international breathwork practitioner. In that episode, John talks about conscious connected breathing, and that works on many different levels. At a physical level, it relieves tension and stress, and at an emotional level, it helps people connect with suppressed emotions and activates a natural healing process. So I will put a link to that episode in the show notes. Thank you for listening today, and I do hope that you found today's interview with Kim interesting or inspiring. If you did, please share the podcast and tell your friends about it. And if you could take a minute to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, it'll help people find my podcast. If you would like to subscribe to my podcast, Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast, you can subscribe on all good podcast providers like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, iHeartRadio and Google Podcasts. You can also subscribe on YouTube. So please follow me on Instagram and Facebook and check out my website at www.amandaswellbeingpodcast.com where you can contact me via the contacts page. And if you'd like to, please suggest topics you'd like to learn more about and people you'd like to hear interviewed and I will do my best to deliver that to you. Producing the podcast is a labour of love. It has become my full-time job and I dedicate a lot of time, money and effort towards it. So if you do enjoy my podcast and would like to support it, I would be so grateful. You can make contributions via my Patreon page or via PayPal from the support page on my website. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes, so please do check that out. Another way you can support the podcast is by purchasing a book from the book reviews page on my website. If you click on the Amazon link there and buy the book at no extra cost to you, I will receive a much appreciated small commission.
Thank you for tuning in. Eat well, move well, think well.